Chapter Thirteen of Mrs. Solomon Smith Looking On by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirteen. I do dislike scenes. From the dinner table, nearly all of the guests lounged into the back parlor and disposed of themselves in various attitudes indicating listless weariness one bolder than the rest admitted that she did not know what to do with herself on sundays she did wish there was some public place to go to that wasn't wicked with a little deprecating laugh over this last in summer she was nearly always at some seaside resort and of course everybody went to the beach but papa had a notion that it wasn't quite the thing to take sunday walks in the city she was sure she could never see why there was but faint response to these murmurings most of the guests seeming really too bored to attempt reply mrs solomon smith had followed us with alacrity when we proposed taking seats in the parlor but i fancy her idea of a family gathering in a sabbath twilight was different from this she looked around her doubtfully as little ripples of talk started from one group and another all frivolous aimless and some of it lacking in the spirit of charity those who had been to church seemed voluble only over certain elegant toilets generally in disapproval of the taste displayed in color or design wasn't there any sermon questioned mrs smith at last breaking in upon effie van horn's adjective abounding description of mrs germain terry's new suit so ridiculously gay for a widow of less than a year mrs effie had chosen a sanctuary at a greater distance from the rest of us and so was reporting for the benefit of her friends a sermon she said startled and thrown off her course a trifle why of course there is always a sermon on sabbath morning unfortunately i'm sure i wish there were not i think a choral service once in a while would be a great improvement on the dry sermon they are always so lengthy at least dr dorland's are i timed him this morning and he preached exactly thirty-eight minutes and a half don't you think that is entirely too long for a sermon she did not address mrs smith but erskine depends entirely on the matter of the sermon he answered her with a somewhat embarrassed laugh miss effie's silliness seemed to be especially trying to him that evening but she was one of those persons who fail to discover that they are annoying people do you think so she said with delicious childishness now i think all sermons are equally dull and stupid who ever heard of a minister selecting an interesting theme to preach about mrs smith turned kind eyes to the silly girl didn't you ever hear a sermon about heaven my dear she said sympathetically and don't you think the story of the beautiful city where there is no night any more and no trouble and no tears and no saying good-bye and no dying is just as interesting as it can be miss effie toyed with the ribbons of her sash and blushed a little as she said oh well heaven is nice enough to think about i suppose for those who like to i never tried it much i like this world too well to care to change 
i am not one of your croakers always crying out against the world as an awful place that's the reason i don't like sermons they always make out that the world is a snare and a delusion and i think it is a perfectly lovely place the kind old eyes still beamed and her voice was bright i think so too and i've lived here a good many more years than you have and shed a good many tears too but i like the world i think jesus liked it very much he came to redeem it you see so it must be beautiful to him but then we can't always stay here and our friends don't stay one by one they go off to that other country i've got more there than here and much as i like the world my heart gets all in a flutter when i think of going up to my other home i could but notice erskine he stood near mrs smith his eyes on the carpet his hands toying with his watch-chain but every feature of the expressive face spoke of a roused heart or conscience i could not be sure which as for miss effie she shivered visibly oh dear she said how perfectly doleful we are getting talking about dying when we are all so young and ought to be as happy as birds the night before a wedding too it is a bad omen lida do play something lively and cheer us up during this conversation lida had been seated at the piano irving bending over her and the two were trying snatches of song sacred song they called it out of courtesy for the day but to my ears and i feel sure to mrs smith's it really sounded some of it more like dancing tunes than anything sacred at effie's appeal she laughingly played a few gay strains which moved one of the gentlemen to join her with a whistling accompaniment and miss effie declared that she could not keep her feet still after that the talk drifted into even more frivolous channels than before as if satan alarmed at this little rift in the cloud of worldliness in which he was enveloping us all had redoubled his efforts to arrest anything like serious thought laura looked imploringly at me and murmured her desire to escape poor mrs solomon i suppose thought of her cold room and leaned her weary old head back in her easy-chair and closed her eyes i think she went back to the little brown house in the hollow and rested her hand on solomon's chair and listened to the music of his voice watching my nephew as he hovered around the maiden of his choice i wondered whether when her head was gray and her face wrinkled like mrs solomon smith's there would be that fellowship between them that oneness of thought and plan and purpose that brightened the little brown house at the hollow the wonderment saddened me somewhat there were times when these two young things seemed to me to be building their future on a very sandy foundation the talk flowed on the dividing line between sabbath fitness and positive undisguised worldliness growing dimmer and dimmer among other things projects for the evening were discussed there was a concert but it was too far downtown and required too much dressing for people who were to attend a wedding the next day so miss effie said the statement roused mrs smith and opened her eyes a concert she repeated in a bewildered way 
as if imagining that she might be dreaming why isn't it sunday yet unfortunately it is said miss effie tartly if it were not there would be ever so many nice things to do but did they really have concerts on sunday nights the dear puzzled old lady wanted to know of course miss effie felt herself compelled to reply since the question was directed to her and no one volunteered an answer in her place why should they not what more appropriate way of spending sunday evening than in singing sacred music and do they have praying queried mrs smith which question not only convulsed miss effie but several others of her stamp and lita's cheeks crimsoned with shame over her aunt's ignorance for almost the first time since we had been guests in the house i gave attention to harris smith he frowned so distinctly on the rudeness of the young ladies and made so prompt an answer no aunt maria they don't have praying and their so-called sacred music is nothing that you would recognize by that name it is about as sacred as that which my sister lita is giving you at this moment what they do have is a great deal of dressing and talking and flirting why a regular monday night performance with the same sacred attached to it to catch the young and foolish like yourself for instance retorted miss effie who was at all times divided between her desire to receive the exclusive attentions of harris and to attach young erskine to her train i believe you are a frequent attendant do you come in the list of those recently caught by no means with a very low bow of mock deference i was referring to the lambs of the flock it is well understood that i am nothing but a goat never made any pretense of being anything else and therefore belonged to the devil without being caught he did not have to waste any special effort over me harris said his mother reprovingly you are growing irreverent whereupon harris laughed immoderately his face had heretofore been grave enough upon my word mother he said when he could speak it is the first time i ever heard anybody accused of irreverence towards his satanic majesty his mother chose to ignore this but said what is the matter with you young people to-night there seems to be an element of discord i never knew you all to get on so unamiably together there has been an element of discord introduced into this house muttered the little bride in what was certainly a very loud undertone i am glad that i am not to breathe the same atmosphere much longer irving you are very good i don't know how you endure her at all irving laughed pleasantly and made some gallant remark about his being able to endure anything just now there was not enough in all the old aunts which all the country towns in the world could produce to affect his happiness then mrs smith suddenly sat upright in her chair and at this inopportune moment addressed the bride-elect elizabeth give us some good old-fashioned hymn tunes won't you and set all these young folks to singing i'd like to hear them sing thus far the lord hath led me on or something sweet and tender like that come now just to please your old auntie 
but elizabeth had a naughty frown on her pretty face and whirled herself away from the piano with the pettish remark that she had never learned to play psalms she didn't consider a piano suited to them anyway now it so chanced whether from thoughtlessness or because they supposed that a young lady from the country could not be a proficient at the piano my laura had not been asked to play it also chanced that she was by far the most skilful performer in the house we recognized quite early in her life that she had marked musical talent and we had cultivated it as thoroughly as we could as for her voice it was simply remarkable irving must have remembered it as a boy but he had not mentioned music to her since we came indeed irving naturally enough had but little thought but for his bride i suppose laura had been a trifle piqued as girls will be by the utter indifference of her new acquaintances and lately had kept perversely in the background whenever there was a call for music indignation over mrs solomon smith's treatment however called her promptly to the front auntie smith i will play and sing the hymn you want she said decisively and moved to the vacated music stool erskine sprang forward to attend her which item seemed to annoy poor little effie and take from her every remnant of good breeding her really pretty face was spoiled by a sneer as she murmured to harris now we'll see what musical prodigies the country can produce there was not time for more before laura's voice filled the room thus far the lord hath led me on thus far his power prolongs my days and every evening shall make known some fresh memorial of his grace were i not her mother i might be tempted to a description of the tenderness and pathos and power with which she rendered that grand old hymn the first line hushed the chattering groups into astonished silence on the second verse erskine joined her a rich full bass which of course added to the charm it was not strange that other voices than mrs smith's clamoured for more when the music ceased but laura turned decisively away from the piano i sang it for auntie smith she said coldly i keep my voice for her and a few of my special friends but mrs solomon smith had a word for her laura my dear you will not refuse to sing the gospel for any one's asking maybe it is the lord jesus himself asking you to witness for him i make no doubt that he gave you your voice for that very purpose and yours too young man this last to erskine who answered only by a grave bow while laura with subdued face turned back to the piano one and another and another favorite were called for mrs jonas smith graciously adding her voice to the appeals a musical genius right in her home was something to be proud over i fancy mrs jonas gave some regretful sighs to the thought that it was sabbath evening and none of her friends who had musical daughters or nieces or guests would be likely to see her triumph 
mrs solomon smith who without knowing that laura's voice was very unusual has known for years that she greatly enjoyed it drew out from the storehouse of her memory old long-cherished hymns and sat back with closed eyes and enjoyed her sabbath at last among other sweet quaint ones that filled the gay parlor that evening was what few people sing now jesus died on calvary's mountain long time ago now he calls me to confess him before i go my past life all vile and hateful he saved from sin i should be the most ungrateful not to own him i wonder said mrs smith breaking the hush that for a moment filled the room at the close of this verse i do wonder now if there's any of the folks in this room that he is calling to confess him for things he did for em long ago and they don't want to do it seems to me as if there might be one or two how i wish you could all make up your minds to own him as your best friend the lover of your souls i have rarely seen such silence as there was in the room then we could fairly hear the heart beats even the pretty Lida, after the first startled look to see what Irving would think, and what others of her fashionable friends thought, let the anxious look fade out somewhat from her face, and leave an almost wistful expression in its place. But it was the young man, Erskine, who broke the silence. "'I'm one,' he said, in a voice that, though husky, was strong." he did save my vile and hateful life years ago lifted me up from the depths and i promised then to confess him always and everywhere and i have shamefully broken the pledge until now hardly any one recognizes me as one who ever belonged to him i feel as though he had justly cast me off return unto me and i will return unto you saith the lord it was mrs smith's clear quiet voice that broke in upon the almost painful hush following this sentence she trusted her voice to no words of hers but poured like a healing balm upon a wound the gracious message of the lord himself i thought then as i have often thought before and since that he stayed always very near to mrs smith and verified to her the promise thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying this is the way walk ye in it if we had stayed in there three minutes more we should have had a prayer meeting and an anxious seat this is what the silly effie said as a summons to the dining-room for a cup of coffee broke in upon the scene that same silly little voice said an hour later don't you think mr erskine has gone for his horses he has the most elegant pair and a perfect gem of a carriage i suppose he will not be so wicked as to go anywhere but to church after his curious speech to-night but i do hope he will ask me to go along 
i would be willing to be good all the evening if i could have a ride after those horses they only came last evening he came back with his handsome carriage and came into the parlor but he walked straight to mrs solomon smith's side with this petition mrs smith will you let me take you to a church where i think you will like to go to-night i have a pair of very gentle horses and a close carriage and she rode away with him the idea said miss effie referring not to the choice of a companion but to the episode in the parlor who knew that erskine was such an eccentric being for the matter of that we are all church members i suppose i'm sure i am but i do dislike scenes End of chapter 13